What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Record Lover is supported by Dogs 420, who makes innovative CBD products specifically for your dogs and puppies. Check them out at dogs420.bigcartel.com. Nice up, 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 radio. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. Hey, it's Khalil Wanda from Highlander Sound. Thank you for joining another episode of Reggae Lover. This is episode 163. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm here with Agard. What up, what up? What's going on, brother man? Not much. Beautiful day in Brooklyn, you know. Nice weather. Bro, this week we don't have a, a um, an interview. We don't have a special guest. So, you know, we're going to be the special guests on this episode. Why don't you let everyone know what we're going to talk about and then we'll dive in. Yeah, thanks. So on this episode, like Khalil said, we don't have a guest. So we are our own guests this week. We realized that during the course of the podcast, you know, some of you may have tuned in and you may think that some of our opinions are valid. Some of you may argue with our opinions or or have different opinions from us. So we realized we have to kind of introduce ourselves. You know, what I mean by that is who are we? You know, when did we start in this, the music industry? Um, What are, what is our history and why is it that uh, you should listen to our opinions? I, I think that's pretty much what we're going to be speaking about today as as well as wherever we veer off to thank you and and that doesn't mean that you have to agree with us once <laughs> once you you know listen to this show but yeah i think it's like uh you know when you watch those sitcoms and they have that episode during the season where it's like they go back and they flash back to all these different times that's what this episode is flashing back all right i like that i like that so let's do it man why don't you start us off how did it all begin 1979? Nah, nah. I'm, I'm going to start with uh, some of my influences. As I said on prior episodes, my journey in, with reggae started at a mm, reasonably young age. I remember when I was about 9, 10 years old, 
you know, riding uh, in my van. You know, I had a van driver pick me up for school here in Stone Love, you know, with the with the subwoofers. Um, that was my first introduction to sound system and sound system culture. Around that same time, I also got introduced to reggae via vinyl. So my father's, one of my father's close friends had a sound system and they played at a party actually for one of my neighbors. Like these would be this Trinidadian family that lived behind us. So one year, you know, he was one of the main DJs at that function. And instead of taking all of his records home, he left them by my father's house or, or my house, you know, and you know, he had all types of music, but, you know, there was like a, a reggae crate, you know. So I saw Ninja Man, you know, Garnet Silk, Caperton. It was stuff like that amongst like some R&B stuff, Guy, <laughs> Salt and Pepper and all those things. So I started to listen to those records and um, I actually, you know, don't tell anybody I stole some, <laughs> some of those records. Mm-hmm. And those records actually ended up in Atlanta when I first moved down and uh really and and started highlander yeah 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 i had some records with me that i don't remember like, that Which, okay. i feel like I, I did bring them down i know you they, brought cassettes down but i don't remember you know what they just got tossed in the collection and you guys just like f it it's, you know it's it's there it's <laughs> okay. all ours um when i was a kid i fell in love with with reggae um specifically sound system culture in terms of you know listening to stone love you know, Hot 97, that, that DJ, cool DJ Red Alert used to have a reggae segment every week. You know, Bobby Condors used to DJ for the uh, Pat McKay when she had her show on. So I'd listen to that. David Levy, you know, I mean, so growing up in New York, you know, I had a heavy influence with Caribbean music. Obviously, um, my family's Caribbean, well, Caribbean adjacent, I don't know, Guy- Guyanese. So I guess we're considered part of the Caribbean. That's another debate. <laughs> Man, I just made this crazy face. Like, what are you saying, bro? All right. But anyway. Yeah, we Caribbean, yo. We Caribbean. And West Indian. Yes. All right. Um, moving on. Correct. Yeah. So um, as I got older, you know, in Brooklyn, a big thing was hooky parties. So, you know, when I was in seventh, eighth grade, um, a lot of my friends were already in high school. You know, my friends are older than me, and right around the corner, they used to have um, hooky parties thrown by this sound system called Scavenger 357. So I would cut school. You know, I used to go to Catholic school. I would take a change of clothes in my book bag, go to my boy Mike's house, change out, and pay a dollar to go into the hooky party. You know what I'm saying? And these are around the times of, you know, Bounty Killer, you know, Ninja Man combination, you know, Ponet is still out there, you know, all these all these things back in the, the, the early 90s. Um, and eventually I started following that same sound scavenger to whatever um, locations they were playing at, whether it be Caribbean Dome, you know, and certain other places throughout Brooklyn, Trinity, Kalaloo, anywhere and everywhere I was, I was following that sound system. And right, and at that, at that point I started collecting cassettes, so I was like a what they call a cassette freak, you know what I mean? So, you know, every week I would be looking for the latest Kilimanjaro, Stone Love, Bass Odyssey, any of, any one of those sounds. But I never, to me, being a selector was like a far 
shot. It was like a dream because nobody I knew that I was close with, I would say nobody I was really, really close with, I had the audacity to say, hey, you know, I want to be a selector, but I always wanted to be like Rory on Stone Love. Record Lover is supported by Dogs 420, who's all about getting your pet some relief from pain, anxiety, arthritis, inflammation, or even if they're older and they're suffering from cancer or discomfort, they have dog treats that give a calming effect, soothing shampoos that get rid of itching, redness, and dryness, and more. Perfect for dogs with allergies and sensitive stomachs. Dogs 420 uses only all natural ingredients specifically formulated for your dog's body chemistry and the purest third-party lab-tested non-GMO CBD oils. That's no THC, non-psychoactive. If you want to get free shipping on your first order, just mention Reggae Lover in the notes and that's dogs420.bigcartel.com. Talk a little bit more about that. So you didn't have the audacity to call yourself a selector, but you, you know, obviously, would you say you idolized selectors or you yeah, looked definitely. up to? Okay. So Rory from Stone Love is one. Name some others. Yeah. So I was heavy into Stone Love. I'm talking about heavy. So Rory, um, Billy Slaughter back in the day. What? Why were you heavily into Stone Love? Because they were they had the vibe, you know what I'm saying? Stone Love was very entertaining because they wouldn't only play, play music. They would have, you know, unique dubs, you know, when other sound systems were cutting sort of like the same dubs, they were cutting unique dubs. They were, they had humorous content. You know, the selectors were making jokes. They had characters that re were reoccurring. You know what I'm saying? They carried a certain vibe. Now, along with Stone Love, I also idolized Afrique. You know, Jaga B. At the time, I, I don't remember if Steely was on Africa at this time, but I remember definitely Jaga B was a heavy influence. This period of time, it was more juggling sounds. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't heavy into Clash yet. When I started getting into Clash was, um, I remember the first time Black Cat and Addis Clash in Biltmore Ballroom. And that experience was similar to when like Nas's first album came out, right? We were hanging out on the block and we played that those cassettes like over and over that entire summer. I, I, I don't remember the exact date, but I just remember playing it in the summertime. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I really started paying attention to Clash. Black Cat, Jaro, Bass Odyssey, Stone Love Clash for a little bit, but they weren't really serious about it. And I'm not even, and that's just the Jamaican influence. So then you know, I start realizing like, okay, you know, there's sounds in New York because I, I discovered the Jamaican sounds before the New York sounds because I wasn't yet going out, you know what I'm saying? So sounds like LP, Addies, Earth Ruler, you know what I'm saying? Earth Ruler was my sound back in the day when I started listening to sound clashes, especially New York sound clashes because Earth Ruler has such a unique way of cutting, whereas... Like, say, Addies was the blueprint for a lot of New York sounds. Like, a lot of New York sounds were cut just like Addies. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And LP was unique, but LP was a rubber dub sound. So, the energy wasn't as hype as, like, Earth Ruler. You know what I'm saying? I remember, you know, watching videos and listening to cassettes of Earth Ruler versus Bass Odyssey in Brooklyn. And, 
you know what I'm saying? You could hardly hear the tunes. That's how, like, how much vibes it was. Yeah. Earth Ruler is, like, I mean, they were basically, like, hoodlums. In my, <laughs> like, that's the way they came across to me. Right. <laughs> they were, like, they were, like, Brooklyn hoods, you know what I'm saying? Just very, like, it's just, like, a bad man vibe, like, a gangster vibe. Like, the way they dealt with music. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, we're mad. We'll do anything at any time. We'll play anything at any time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And I think with Earth Ruler, these other sounds like Addies and LP, they had sort of a connection to the past, right? Mm. Early 80s, you know what I'm saying? Late 70s. Whereas Earth Ruler, that was a young sound. You know what I mean? And, you know, sort of similar to Bass Odyssey, right? Bass Odyssey's box, the weakest part of it was the foundation box for, at a certain point. Yeah. And it was similar. So it was like, yo, energy, vibes, latest, new stuff that they're cutting, totally unique. Those were my influences. But at that time, it's like even after I became a selector, I never aspired to be a classic selector. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to just find out how much dance hall and reggae was your world like how much did it dominate your walkman or your boombox you know what i'm saying because there was also you're in brooklyn this is still when hip-hop and r&b was centered right there in new york you know what i'm saying right yeah like new it was almost like nowhere else had music <laughs> nowhere else had artists you know what i'm saying um especially living in, in new york at that time yeah, this is really the height of New York. You know what I'm saying? You got Biggie, you got Woo, you're talking about Nas. Like, everybody's alive and well and popping, you know what I'm saying, at that time. Yeah, yeah video music box was on, what, like, every day on TV? Yeah, yeah that's, pretty that, much. That show it was, was on Monday every- through Friday in the afternoon. I believe on the weekends it came, in, came on, like, Saturday night yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so there's a local... For guys outside of New York, this was a local music video show where you didn't have to have cable and have MTV and stuff like that. It was before BET, before the box. We had video music box showing the music videos every single day when you come home from school. So, yeah, yeah what what else was popping for you at that time? Or was it just mostly reggae dancehall? So once I got introduced to reggae dancehall and sound system culture, that was pretty much more than 90% of the stuff that I was consuming. And it's ironic that you mentioned Video Music Box because, you know, once I started getting older, that's when uh, hip-hop started seeping in a little bit more because Video Music Box, you know, I always looked at hip-hop as as being my sister's thing. You know what I'm saying? She was six, seven years older than me. You know, that Salt and Pepper era, that, you know, Run DMC, um, LL Cool J, you know, to me, that was her thing, right? And and somehow, dance hall reggae was my thing. She listened to it as well, but she wasn't into it like I was into it. I don't know, man. I was just totally consumed with reggae. Okay. I, I really was. You know, even when I listened to the radio, when I, you know, back in the days, I would put, I would, I would record um, reggae sets from the radio station, like, you know, when Hot 97 finally came about, or uh, 98.7. It was 98.7 Kiss FM and WBLS, and both of them had mix shows. But th- those mix shows, you know, you had certain DJs that would play a reggae set, and I would record it, you know, d- before I started going and getting cassettes and buying cassettes. So it was 95% of my, my music consumption was reggae. But yeah, I mean, you know, Video Music Box was a big, big uh, influence on me as well. Because Ralph McDaniels also used to play 
a lot of reggae. You know what I'm saying? This is pre um, BT. You know what I'm saying? We had MTV on cable and I didn't have cable. And then we had Channel 31. We had Video Music Box. So every day on Video Music Box would be like a different type of day. You know what I'm saying? Like that's Nervous where, like, Thursdays. Yeah, like stuff like that. I don't. I can't remember when like the reggae day was because like he would, you know, it would be like a bunch of Caribbean music and stuff, um, and he would mix in stuff like Super Cat, Ghetto Red Hot, and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. So it was cool and all, but I I, I I was still hungry, so I didn't really look to that for my reggae fix. Okay, but yeah, you know, moving up in time, you know, when I got into high school, you know, the hooky parties was like seventh to eighth grade. Got into high school. And that's when it was like, at that time, New York City, you know, we're talking about, I guess, the Dinkins era at this point, you know, nightclubs, you didn't need IDs. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, I didn't need an ID. I didn't even have a fake ID. I didn't have no ID. I would go to the club and they'll let me in, like, whether it be Caribbean Dome, Kalu, all. Well, I had to have a fake ID for Kalu, but, you know. Like I, I went to the police. That's because Agar looked like a grown man, guys. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, look, <laughs> I was like, like fifteen going like, on twenty two. Yeah. Grown man build, hairy, everything, you know what I'm saying? Right. I went to the tunnel, you know what I'm saying? Like all these places, Roxy, all these places, like you would just go and they're like, You, how many you with? You know, all right, come on, let's go. You know what I'm saying? You have to look cool. And you just had to look like you were of age. You know what I'm saying? That all changed. So I started going to you know, clubs at that time, I, I remember days when I'll go to Caribbean Dome, I'll go to Starlight Ballroom alone. You know, I'll go to when on, I think it was on Utica at the time, they had this club that kept on changing name. At one point it was Onyx, then it was Legends. It was like a bunch of different stuff, you know. And I remember going in there and there would be a round robin going, you know, you'd see Stone Love, you see all like, you know, Afrique, you see these different sounds. If you go to Starlight, you know, you're going to go and see LP and Earth Ruler early warming with nothing but dub plates. It could be empty on a Tuesday night, but you just pay $10, go in, and you're hearing all these tunes. You know what I'm saying? Similar with Caribbean Dome. So that's what I was doing. That was my experience in high school. And a lot of these times, like, like I said, my friends were older than me. All they wanted to do was smoke herb and play video games and pass out. So I was just roll by myself, you know what I'm saying? And when I started talking to, to women, I would just roll with women, you know, I'd just be like, yo, let's go here, let's go here. So I was kind of, you know what I'm saying, a lone ranger, so to speak. <laughs> but I was always checking out dances. And then my high school was in um, Manhattan, like near, um, near Union Square. I remember there was this tape shop. It was like a little tape stall on 14th and 6th, between 6th and seventh i believe yeah between sixth and seventh you know what i'm saying it was like a little booth dude just like have cassettes you know every single week i would go there sometimes spend 20 30 dollars because i was working at this time you know in high school spend 30 20 30 dollars just on cassettes you know that's how i discovered king barker that's how i started getting familiar with jaro four by four exodus all these sounds that obviously i'm not going to jamaica and i'm not going up into the bronx you know what i'm saying so that's how i'm discovering these different sounds the only other thing i'll do sometimes i'll go to beat street which was like a record shop they had mixtapes and i'll buy you know if i want to get a fix of r&b or something i'll buy like an r&b mix or something like that but like for reggae it was strictly sound systems and so that's high school 
and that took you all the way up to college, right? Yeah, man. So my experience was real different because I was in Kingston, Jamaica. You know, we were in Jamaica, but we were we were immigrants. We we're Guyanese immigrants in Jamaica. Right. So it's my brother, me, my mom, my pops. You know what I'm saying? So life was really just going to school, did a little bit of football, did a little bit of track for like after school extracurriculars. And we lived like right across the street from a park, like a playground where there was a tennis court there. And on the tennis court on each end, there was a, a, a soccer goal that was set up. And so every single day, every single day, as much as possible, as long as possible, my brother and I, I kicked some ball, you know what I mean? Soccer, mm-hmm. football, whatever you want to call it. And that was really much, pretty much, you know, life. So there's a lot of being outside, playing outside. You know, you got one channel that's J- Jamaica Broadcasting Corporation, JBC in Jamaica. You know, we have a, one TV with like black and white TV and, you know, no remote control and them thing in the back then. So right. um, it was really not a lot of influences coming in outside of what would come through that, um, you know, that one radio station or that one TV channel that we were exposed to. You know, that's why I always say I was exposed introduced to reggae in jamaica because whatever they would play on the radio and the tv is pretty much reggae it's not really dance hall you know right um and then the tv you know they would pump in a lot of american programming so music videos would be like i guess that stuff that you said your sister would listen to which is like that you know fat boys and jj fad supersonic you know what right. i mean and all the late 80s hip-hop dj jazzy jeff and fresh prince and Stuff like that. That's what I was listening to a lot. And then, you know, on the radio in Jamaica, very diverse. You're hearing country and Western. You're hearing R&B, alternative, soft rock, just a mix of things. But my parents, like my pops, for whatever reason, you know, my pops is an artist. So he's very artistic. So right. he he would have like random music that he would be blasting. Like one of them I remember was the soundtrack to Broadway. <laughs> So I grew up listening, like I know, like I could, I could sing along with Broadway right now. You know what I mean? Word. Yeah. Yeah, man. One similar sensation, you know, <laughs> like the whole thing. Right, 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 right. Um, Interesting. And then like stuff like my mom's, you know, Anita Baker and um, Michael Bolton, George Michael, you know, and then the music of the day, that's popular. We, like I was really checking for Motown and everything Motown from the old school up to the current, the Michael Jackson and would watch like the Grammys and in Jamaica, you know, they would show like certain festival time. They would show concerts. They would show, you know, very, very mainstream, very commercial exposure to music, but just all types of music. Right. Very well-rounded. So coming from Jamaica to Brooklyn, I'm coming with in my mind, like, okay, what's really cool is hip hop the latest hip hop fashion the latest hip hop hairstyles and and everything like that and then of course you had like back then there was, it was Bobby Brown Millie Vanilli you know what I'm saying and I know Millie Vanilli was like two months <laughs> before we found out that there was a scam right. but they were really hot for those two months and Michael Jackson and that's pretty much the tapes that like personally I would play all the time Bobby Brown Michael Jackson. Come up to the States now, immigrant again. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I don't have like a bag of friends and people, you know what I mean? Really? So, you know, you were already there in in, um, in Brooklyn. You were already, you know, with your people doing what you guys do. Right. But, I, you know, my experiences, again, is more insulated. So in terms of like the people that I 
hung out with at my school and stuff like that, a lot of hip hop once again. So now it's like, okay, the hip hop of the day from the 90s, you know, would watch, you know, I dropped in Brooklyn in, in 1990. So I think that's when like mm-hmm. In Living Color debuted. So that was like the big show. And then, you know, I'd watch the video music box. And so it's all that music, you know what I mean? From what was really playing in my my Walkman the most was Wu-Tang Clan. But all the groups of the day, right. Public Enemy, Onyx, you know. And I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm just going through this at length because you know this is our show so <laughs> right and I, I remember i remember this time because i mean me and your brother were the reggae heads and you were the hip-hop head mm-hmm. you were specifically the woo head very much into woo you know what i mean I so then you were translating stuff for me i was like what is all this <laughs> right you know with Ghostface and you know yeah yeah no i was real into it man i remember um for some reason i was really into onyx like i knew that um that album is gonna get bleeped out but back off you know that was like i knew like the whole album it's very dark like, this is a very dark period for me <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah man so you know when the kids and, and the six and everything nowadays like you know i kind of get it but you guys um my brother super peck and, and you were my really my gateway into dance hall and it didn't really happen. I mean, it happened very gradually. So, like, my whole junior high, it was, like, more hip-hop and R&B. Then when I got to high school, I started to hang out with you guys a little bit. You know what I'm saying? When you guys were hanging out. And especially, like, those summer times. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, there's a couple of consecutive summers where we would go and we would check backyard parties and, you know what I mean, block parties and stuff like that. So, I'll tell you, like, my first sound system cassette that i ever heard was in the barbershop at first impressions barbershop on nostrin because that's where we used to go get get our haircuts and they had a basement yeah, i remember that barbershop yeah that barbershop is still there from what i hear yeah 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 definitely <laughs> so i used to hate this system though but go ahead the what are you talking the sound system no 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 the way you had to pay uh, ticket oh yeah. i don't even remember that b but all I know is I was sitting in there waiting for a cut one day and cats were in the basement and I guess they just got a new Afrique tape and they were playing it like mad loud. And I I was like, yo, what is that? Like, I didn't even know what was going on. All I heard, like, I know I was hearing people yelling and it sounded like real hype and it was all these sound effects and it just sounded so exciting, like so, so hype. I was just like, what is going on? What is that? And I kept hearing, yeah. you know, and the branding, it's like Afrique. Like I kept hearing Afrique and I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I know yeah. it sounded really cool and I liked it. Let me ask you a question about when you're in Jamaica and when you're in, in New York. Yo, did in Jamaica, did they have like like car systems? Like blasting music, you know what I mean? Like with subwoofers and stuff like that. Back when you were a kid, or you don't remember that? Yo, I don't remember that, man. I think. Uh, Do you remember that in New York at all? Um, I mean, yeah, in New York, I I, I remember that. But in, in the only reason I'm interjecting is because that's also a big part of in my influence in in like reggae because they used to have these sound systems in their cars. That was su- such round bass, like you would hear it. Like it wasn't like the vibration stuff that would shake your trunk. It was like 
these sound systems were tuned so well mm-hmm. and like that's when Shaba was real popular you know bass of Shaba's voice you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that also was something that I wanted to attain when I was older like I want a Volvo you know what I'm saying <laughs> or like an IROC Z or something you know what I'm saying with tinted windows and and a system no, like man, that but I, go I, ahead Maxima you want man the, the, Maxima and the Cressida yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah like so it, yeah. like for my so again you know you gotta understand my experience in Jamaica it's not like I grew up in the ghetto or you know down the lane and them thing that you know we went to the most part most time we were there you know I went to St. Peter and Paul prep school is a Catholic school it's some of the you know we weren't rich but we were able to attend a school where you know maybe some of the uptown people would send their children you know right, what I mean? right and yeah, some yeah. of the people that have like you know all like businesses in miami and whatever you know what i'm saying stuff like that so yeah it's you know you you mixed kids you asian you know chinese whatever type of kids mm. um at the school and and then people that had money so they kept it very it was almost it was very sanitized like i remember one day we had like a party and you know what i mean like Yo, I brought like my Michael Jackson tape, you know, and I remember there's right. one one you brought like his little um his little tape player. I wouldn't even call it a boombox, but he brought like his personal cassette player, and he was playing like I guess I mean it may have been either a mix or a sound tape at that time, and this is like eighty yeah. eighty seven maybe somewhere around there. So you know what I mean like it's like Tiger and. I'm hearing it's like it sounded like noise to me. I was just like, "What's that?" Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, "Nah, nah, yo, this is Michael Michael Jackson, yo, you know." <laughs> Plus, it probably wasn't you know with the little cassette player, you wasn't getting the frequencies right either. Yeah, you know, and so I didn't really understand that stuff until the introduction from you and and my older brother. So that you know, real talk. So started going to backyard parties and then figuring out learning like how to learning the the road code how to do road in brooklyn you know you got to go if it's a block party and they say lp is going to be there you walk you know you go early and you you watch the door and see if they searching people to go in (laughs) because if it's a backyard party and they're not there's no security you know i mean it's kind of sus you might not want to go up in there unless you have your back with you you know what i mean so it's like you got to coordinate all this stuff. And then you you listen to hear dubs. Because if you hear the dubs, then you know the sound is really there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely. what, you know, I think this generation, they don't know anything about that. It's like, you know, but that was one of the purposes of the dubs is so that the sound could identify themselves. So if they say, yo, mm-hmm. such and such a sound is here, you hear their dubs. It's like, all right, they're really there. If you don't hear their dubs, it could be anybody. You know, you might go pay your money and you go in there or, and, and they're not there all night. So, you know, just stuff like that. So I started to get into it. Like the the neighborhood sound for Flatbush, or at least one of them was LP. So when I was in New York, I would say that LP would have been like my favorite sound. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember hearing Stereo Fish work some of those dances and the way he would introduce tunes, you know what I mean? Like, big up to Stereo Fish and, you know, all who remember Stereo Fish, like, those days of LP International. Yeah, you know what I mean? That was, like, a... That was a special time. And then he was also a Guyanese you, you know what I mean? Um, was he? Yeah, he's Guyanese, man, and representing as an MC on a major sound. Like, that was a big deal. Okay, I just thought he was straight at 100% Yankee or American. Then, you know, after two years of high school in Brooklyn, then my family, we relocated you know down to down south 
so settled in Norcross, Georgia. Um, the way that we came to Georgia, my brother and I, is we took the Amtrak. So this is an interesting story right here because that trip in itself, I was very upset and distraught that I was being ripped out of New York because I was just now getting, you know what I mean? I had been there for seven years. You know, junior high school is always, for a lot of kids, it's messy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then I had like, two years of high school there and I was going to Brooklyn Tech downtown Brooklyn so I was taking a train by myself so I was really getting into my New York style of independence for somebody of that age and I was really enjoying it and I was looking forward to doing a lot more going out meeting girls and you know just getting into it but I was ripped out of that and sent down south on this train and we had like the sleeper car on the train. So it was my brother and me. We had like shoe boxes full of cassettes and we had a boom box. And so in our little train car, it was like about an 18 hour ride from rounding it up. And so we just listened to sound tapes. How many tapes can you listen in 18 hours, son? That's a lot, yo. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Like the two of us in a small room together just listening, you know what I'm saying? It's like a different level of meditation. So it's like by the time I reached down south, forget about it, yo. I was just like, I was all in. I was a changed man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I was you know, it's funny. I remember, I remember the weekend. I think it was the weekend before y'all left. And we actually did buck up on a LP. was in black uh, a backyard. And it was around the corner from your crib, I think. It was like on, like in the 20s by, by like Farragut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh it was I remember it was Lady Love and LP was playing and I remember yo when when um that rhythm with the Shaba comes on, you know what I'm saying? Okay. The Lord is a shepherd's what more do I want? Yo, boom son. I was like, damn yo, I was I was ready to show y'all New York proper, son. I know, man. I was very disappointed. Gosh, does my mom I think my mom knows this that I was hurt. But anyway, that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, because she went down before you to set things up. And then y'all pretty much, I was I was upset with y'all because I wanted y'all to throw a party in your apartment. Oh, Because <laughs> it was empty. Oh, okay. So you was upset. I was upset because my mom like, made it seem like if I had the choice to stay, she was like, you know, I got to go down to Atlanta. Like, would you like to stay here or would you like to come with? And I was like, nah, I'm, I want to stay. You know what I mean? And so I thought that that decision was valid and would be honored. And then it was like, yo, you, you must see a mighty, yo, you, you know, like that guy knees cut your teeth, like, like strips, like you must see my, like. Yeah, you just failed the <laughs> test. <laughs> yeah, yo. One of many failed tests right there. But anyhow, so I reached down to Atlanta with nothing but base odyssey. Kilimanjaro and Stone Love in my meds, you know, and then got adjusted to life down here. You know, it was, it was, it was cool. It was whatever, you know, two years high school graduate. And then we went, I went to Morehouse where my brother went, you know, before me. And so we were both there at the same time. Agard, you attended SUNY Albany. Yes, yes. My first year at SUNY Albany. Which is an interesting experience because I had traveled a little bit up and down the East Coast, but I didn't realize that New York City was actually such a small part of New York State geographically. You know what I mean? So when I went up to Albany, there were like different people from all over the state. 
and different types of black people who also listen to reggae. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the parties that were happening at SUNY Albany, there was a heavy amount of reggae going on. I remember one time Bobby Condor's Massive B was actually playing at a, at a at a school called I think it was RTI, which is something Technology Institute, which is not too far from SUNY Albany. We went up there to listen to Massive B. Even up in college, like there was a heavy heavy reggae influence. There's a lot of Caribbean students and even the American, the African American students. Like it seemed like they were all into reggae. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, my journey continued and that's when, you know, you and I and your brother started speaking of, you know what, I think I'm going to try and come down to Atlanta because Albany in the wintertime, that's snow, that's cold, yeah. it's, it's depressing. That climate wasn't, you know what I'm wasn't intended for us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, it's depressing as hell. And then you're trying to like, it was a party school, but you're trying to go to parties in the dead of winter. It's just horrible, you know, especially coming from New York City. So I grew up and I just told you, like, I'm going to clubs. Like I went to Bentley's, which was a very popular club in the city for blacks when I was like 14, 15 years old. I'm going to Nell's. I'm going to all these different places. So I go up to Albany and it's like, yo, there's only like these bars and I got to like, you know seek out parties so i was very depressed so you know we started planning for me to come down there to atlanta which did happen and i think part of the process was i was like i don't know who came up with the idea i might have posed it and maybe your brother was receptive to it or it might have been the other way around but i was like yo i want to come down there we need to just start a sound system because at this point you were into it well not as much as me and him but you were, you were down with it. You know what I'm saying? You were down with it. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, yo, all three of us, like, I don't want to mess with no one. Like, literally, I know I've mentioned this sort of earlier in the show uh, on different episodes, but we're literally family. So I'm like, yo, I'm not going to trust to be on a sound system. I'm learning like with people I don't know. or You know what I mean? Because mm. at this point in my life, I'm 18 years old and I've ex- already experienced a lot of shady nonsense <laughs> in my life. So I'm like, all right, who better to start a sound system with? Then, you know, my family, I, I remember <laughs> the planning stages. I was like, yo, all right, I'm going to be down there next year, like around July, August time. Yo, whatever money you got, start going and, and buying records. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I'll start buying records. And when we go, when I get down there, we're going to combine our records. And I remember being pissed off because like, I, you know, this is why I remember I brought down the records because <laughs> I didn't buy no records, but I already had some records. <laughs> so I was like, yo, here's my records. And I remember you didn't, you guys didn't have any as yet or something. It was like a few records. And I was like, yo, what the F is this? Yo, we're supposed to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe I didn't vocalize that. <laughs> yo, I don't remember. <laughs> but that's how I this, felt. <laughs> but I'll let you go. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's nothing. I mean, obviously it's nothing. But I remember just thinking like, because I mean, the reason why, so I'm not even going to how I, I got down to Atlanta, but you know, I got down there, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to tell you about my academics. You already, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, let's just say thank you for loopholes. You know what I'm saying? That's all I got to say. Right. But so um, the three of us dropping on Morehouse College one time. Right. Yeah. So all three of us are going to Morehouse. And I remember, thankfully, you know, I didn't have, I don't know, maybe I maybe I would have done a little bit better if I lived on, on campus. I don't know. But thankfully, I didn't have to live on campus. I was, you know what I'm saying, sharing, you know what I'm saying, a place with you and your mom. You know what I'm saying? So that was cool. 
well, the drive wasn't cool, but you know what I'm saying? It was cool the same way. And that's when we started discovering like, okay, where are we going to go get records? You know, we discovered Unity, you know, at the time yeah. was the premier record shop for anything reggae in, Atla- in or around Atlanta. Right. You know what I'm saying? Unity, but before so, Unity was Rebel. Your Rebel was the first place that we bought records because Rebel Music, they had a shop that was in Little Five Points Flea Market. Right, Un- you know, you know what spot. it is. That's the first place that we bought records at. You know what it is. And, and you guys Peck was may the one have... that was down there. So whatever we had by the time you reach, that's where you got yeah, it. Yeah, that's where that was the link. Because so my my recollection is different because I didn't meet Rebel until they moved to Auburn. Um, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying. So I thought they had just moved into town because I didn't know that backstory. Nah, they, you know they were like they started from like the little spot in the flea market. Then they got the big store downstairs underneath the Peacock. Yeah, man. So so yeah. So you know, I, I finally got down to Atlanta. All three of us are going to Morehouse. You know what I'm saying? See it. You know the the AUC. You know Atlanta University Center. A lot of good times. You know th- this. These were the days when BET had come around. So we're talking about ninety eight. Yep. Right. Yep. Ninety eight. Uh, around ninety eight. I, I went down there. Yeah, man. And I always say this to people at this time when I when I when I got out of class and I went to the CAU promenade. The, you know what I'm saying? You're talking it, about the strip. The strip. Yeah. The yeah. strip. Men know about this yeah, promenade yeah. thing. Be. Yeah, I mean, my vocabulary has grown over the years. Uh, this trip, yeah, yeah, the strip. What <laughs> what most people call a promenade, but anyway, st- the strip is what we refer to it as. It looked like a BET music video. I'm talking about because you know Morehouse is all boys, Spelman is all girls. You know what I'm saying? But you go to CAU, it's you everything. have everything from oh. all over the country man it was overload you know it, it definitely affected my academics yo know? that was such a special place man just on a tangent on the strip you know and what was going on there that's the place where you asked me about hearing cars and systems that's the place where you could do like your own monthly music chart on what you hear and bumping from the cars that pull up at the strip because right. that's what that was about you know what I mean? You had like grown ass men would come down there and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trying to pull shorties out of the college. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah, like man. DJ Drama had dreadlocks and he was out on the strip peddling mixtapes. Reggae, reggae, nothing but reggae. Don't get it twisted. But way before TI yeah, and, and the fame, DJ Drama was a ras. <laughs> On the strip, strictly reggae. Yeah, man. And Ludacris was Chris Lover Lover, who had his, who had his morning show. Yeah, them times there. <laughs> yeah, but, that. but yeah, man. So we we so what happened, and this is what would facilitate by accident us being able to learn, because you know, so we we started collecting records, but we didn't know the first. First of all, we had records, but we had nothing to play it on. We didn't have money. We didn't have a car. We, yeah. We didn't have turntables. Spe- we didn't have equipment, nothing. speakers, nothing. Yo, I remember my first week down in Atlanta. I believe we were going through, I don't know if it was orientation or what. Like, I was going through orientation. I don't remember what it was. I I just remember that it was like the first week 
I don't think classes have started yet. We're doing like administrative stuff. And I remember asking around like, yo, where's the spot to get a cut at? You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I was specifically asking like, yo, are there any New York barbershops? Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know how I knew to ask that question. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, yo, if I'm going to get a cut, I'm going to get a cut from a New York barber. Because, you know, the lingo is the same. The styles are the same. You know, I don't know what a, uh, what it was like, even Steven or whatever. <laughs> I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I know about a Caesar. You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that what they used to call uh, Caesars? Like, oh, even Steven or some ish like that? <laughs> like, I'm not with that ATL lingo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I asked about, you know, is are there any New York, you know what I'm saying, up north barbershops? I don't know how I knew, but anyway, I asked and people pointed me, I think it was a actually it was a female or something that I asked, like pointed me to like just cuts. Yeah, that, you know make, what I mean? that, that would make sense. Yeah, a I was probably going wild, you know, my first week. Through there. Right, right. Um <laughs> Yeah, so so here's the thing. So there. I go into the barbershop and you know, you know the experience as a black man. You go into a barber shop, you don't know nobody. So it's like, yo, you just gotta roll the dice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whoever whoever doesn't have anybody next, you're it. You know what I'm saying? So you step into the I, I stepped into the chair. Thankfully I started asking questions like, yo, y'all from you you from up north, blah, blah, blah. You know, the barbers cut my hair, it's like, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. I was like, all right, I'm from Brooklyn too. Like, what part of Brooklyn? East Flatbush. Oh, yo, I'm from East Flatbush, too. Yo, where'd you grow up? Vanderveer. Like, yo, I'm from 32nd and Clarendon. That's two blocks away. What up? So come to find out, you know what I'm saying? This dude who's cutting my hair is like, I guess, a, a silent partner in the barbershop. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo... Uh, what are you doing down here? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't know if I'm like hustling or whatever. I'm like, yo, I'm here to, for college. You know, I'm starting school at Morehouse. But he's like, yo, what do you want to do? I was like, yeah, you know, I want to study business. But what I really want to do is uh, learn a DJ. And he's like, yo, I'm a DJ. <laughs> you know and he's like, all right, I got a, I got a promotion company and we're looking for interns. Here's the application. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get a, a a cut from a dude. Was that was that with you when you went to the sh the first time? I think I, don't I was with you. Know if you were with me? I think I was with you. You might have been. I mean, we were together. I like, mean, we were usually yeah, yeah, together. Yeah. That first year, <laughs> especially that first week. Yeah, we were definitely because we had we had to hang out together because we would have to wait on our ride back up to Norcross. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so you had to be with me. So yeah, um, um and I think yeah, he met you that day too. So. You know, he's like, yo, I got a promotion company. Here's an application. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I right, fill this out, you know, whatever. So he's like, yo, I got an event, whatever, this Friday at, mm. at the warehouse. Mm -hmm. So, and I remember I was like, yo, you interested in this or whatever? And I think you had came with me yo, I was, to the warehouse. Yo, I was Mr. Tagalong at this point in time. Right, right, so, right. So hold I was on, like, let me, yo, let me catch up that piece yeah. before you get into that event. Because, all yeah. right, so I'm here. I'm at Morehouse too. You know, I'm in the house too. I'm in the car too. I'm down too. You know what I mean? Agar, he's like, he's not really like, we're the same age, but he's like a, a year, no, what, a week older than I am, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like seven days before I was born, he, he pushed out, you know what I mean? But, you know, as listening to the stories, you know, like my prior years were a degree more sheltered, you know what I mean? Whereas he and my brother, who's two years older than myself, you know, they were doing road, they were doing clubs. You know what I mean, they were hanging out a lot more than I was. And then they were also into the reggae 
scene and, and the dance hall, you know, sound system thing a lot more than I was. They were a lot more knowledgeable and a lot more passionate. Real quick story, you know, like I remember having like a really bad fist fight with my brother because I think it started with something about it was either Stone Love or a gyro tape that was playing and I said something disrespectful and then <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. Yeah, he like he had <laughs> he had like a Jamaica flag, like you know the little flags with the little wooden stick and like somehow I ended up grabbing his hand and the the flag the 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 stick snapped in two and then it was on. It was like an all out brawl. So you know what I mean? Like he's very passionate about it. Um like these guys would like pot like spar like verbally, you know, like mic chat, you know, like just like role playing, playing around as if right, they were right, both right. selectors trying to diss each other. Like they would do that all the time. You know what I mean? And I would just be in the background just chilling. So all this planning of starting a sound and everything that he's talking about, like I wasn't really a part of that. I was just tagging along. You know, right. I remember um, Agard, you always used to be like, yo, you know how we could make money? It's like we could do promotion. You know what I mean? We got to do promotions. And I'm like, what's promotions? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, huh? You know what I'm saying? So I followed you to the barbershop. I think you did the application for the internship. And, Correct. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't. And then, you know, you went to the event that you're talk about to talk about and i went along with you that's how i right. remember it happening i don't i think that was yeah i don't think i did I, an I application remember, for the internship i think you were the yeah, official remember, intern and i was the yeah. intern's cousin <laughs> and i was just there right i remember i remember specifically i i don't think i even asked you or because i didn't want to assume that you wanted to do that so i was like yo this is like yo networking you know the like first week i'm in atlanta I meet somebody with a promotion company. The wild part of the story is, you know, there's that first event at the warehouse. That I think that was a Friday. You know, I go there and, you know, he tells us what to do, which is basically. So at this time, I kind of had the gift of gab because I had to like, I was alone so much. I had to make friends. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was in New York, I wasn't like, I didn't trust anybody. So I didn't like at this point, some of my friends moved away. And, you know, I didn't trust anybody. So I had to learn how to like network with people. So the first thing that we had to do or I had to do was collect phone numbers and emails for the email list or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Whoever's online, we got to get their data because we got to promote to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that. But anyway, the, the event was this is when Nori noriega of capone and noriega cnn just got out of jail and it was his first performance <laughs> you know right out of jail i i believe at the time this was a summer like what super thug super was hitting thug just dropped. jesus so Woo! yo this mind you look i've been to parties you know i've been like as a as a you know customer i had never had anything to do with promotion really so we're talking about the level of excitement in this place. I, I, you know, people are pushing up against barricades. They need extra security. You know what I'm saying? I might have seen a chick pass out. I don't know, man. It was yeah, just crazy. Nah, people was passing. People were passing out, getting like right. taken out. Yeah, man. So, so basically, what ends up like I didn't know at this time, but the person who who we met was this dude, Precise. Shout out to Precise. And he was the head of, at the time, Wax Factor Entertainment. 
And basically, if anybody was in Atlanta back in the late 90s, early 2000s, even the mid to early 90s, they may have known Precise or of Precise. So, you know, he was throwing the tri-state parties. He was throwing, you know, a bunch of different types of parties. And I remember, so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this was a crucial point for us. We didn't have turntables. We didn't have a mixer. We didn't have speakers. All we had was some records. So Precise was a DJ. And he took it upon himself to teach us how to DJ. Now, the interesting part of this story is the quickest person to take to the mixing part of of DJing was you, was Khalil. You know what I'm saying? So the guy who was like kind of in the background, kind of tagging along, was like the first guy to actually, you know, crack the code. And like I was like, all right, man, that's good. So Khalil knows how to mix a little bit. I'm just going to stay on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it happened. It's so funny. But yeah, like precise, he lent us his turntables. Right, yeah. For yeah. a time being. And he was in partnership with, Battle. With Battle, DJ Battle DJ Cat, Battle. then now Shout known out to DJ Battle, yeah, now world famous DJ Mark Battle, like super high end. You know, what I'm saying he's still spinning, yeah, man. doing doing Essence magazine and and all that. Like, all right, Battle, I see you, son. You know what I mean? But Battle, he also took me under his wing. Were you with us the day because he had a residency at um? Yes, Magic. City. Oh yeah, he had a residency. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. It's an indelible memory. He had the residency. Will forever be imprinted on my, my mind. Yo, that was my first strip club experience, son. Just going into Magic City, like broad day, like middle of the day, and he just walking into the DJ booth. You know what I mean? Everybody, everything is out. Butt naked yeah, girls, man. just like, hey, you know, it was like, all right, another day at the job. He clocks in and he's like throwing records on and he's like, yo, here, here, blend this. And I'm like, what <laughs> like how you know what i'm saying so definitely novice but you know to uh to agar's point like for some reason like my technical side i just gravitated towards just putting in i guess i put in more time i think that's pretty much what it was well i think what it was is you had the ear for it right like very quickly i remember not being able to um because at the time we're talking about vinyl you know, we're talking about matching yeah. literally, you know, beat two matching. beats. Beat matching. Yeah, beat matching in your ears. Yeah, by your ear. You know what I'm saying? Right now, for those of you don't who don't know, technology has made it so literally you could just look at what the tempo is and match the tempo. And as long as you have skills with matching the, the yeah, the cue points, you know, whether the bass or, or the snare or whatever, you can you can pretty much blend. That became my role, the guy that selects and mixes early right. out. At the time, Super Peck and Agard. Agard was known as Crisis. Yes. Crisis Don and Super Peck. I think Peck was Peck. He didn't get the Super yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It was, just, it was just Peck, I believe. Because he was Peck ahead at first, but then it just became Peck. Where? How did we get this name? Because it had nothing to do with me. Highlander? Yes. Well, I don't know if it was him or me. I know we we're throwing stuff out. I don't know. It had to have been me, I think. Because I was like kind of like a sci-fi nerd. I don't know if, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Peck was. I don't know. All I know is the name got thrown out there. I don't know. I'm putting it on record to say. All right. All right. So I don't know. I don't know if it was him or me. I'm not going to say it was me. I, I right? thought it was him. Pro it probably was, but I I remember thinking maybe he thought it. I don't know who said it, and this is how 
see this <laughs> this is how like you know beef starts with bands and <laughs> you know what i'm saying groups of people because like yo it was you know literally more than 20 years ago so i don't know somebody said it it could have been him it could have been me you took yourself out of the loop so i'm just gonna say it's him whatever so i remember somebody threw out highlander and i remember there was two reasons why highlander stuck the first reason was because higher heights and right you know what i'm saying and it's higher like heights, a higher level and up all in the mountains different, in the clouds right god and all exactly so it had multiple implications with just the high thing then it was like okay the movie highlander only a highlander can kill a highlander only a highlander could kill a highlander and there's never going to be another highlander sound you know what i mean because who's going to come up with that <laughs> right and yo knock on you know what i'm saying because <laughs> nowadays you got sounds that just share the same name all over the world right but highlander's yeah. always been that type of name like the very like when we just made up the name and you were uh mr what what's the word that you used outgoing whatever yo this guy would yeah we would go into a club he would just walk straight to the stage go to the dj whoever's up there and be like yo i'm crisis don we got a sound called highland and just start talking <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> right yeah, just, yeah like yeah, start definitely. building up contacts like just like that out of nowhere right and um people will always be like highlander yo i heard of that sound you know what I mean? And they would always right, say right, something right. positive, something like encouraging and powerful. They'd be like, yo, I heard that name before. Yo, that's a, yo, that's a bad sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if we never played before. We never played before. We got like one cr milk crate half full of records. They're like, yo, Highlander, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess moving up. So, so we were dealing with Wax Factor, you know, Khalil came on as an intern i was an intern um eventually for a brief stint of time i was made <laughs> what was the title it might have been coo or something you were like, like I was in second charge. in command yo yeah i he was in charge the ladder, of ladder like really fast and uh, yeah because i mean look i was I, I guess i was just very i wouldn't say fanatic or i, I was very dedicated definitely. and i was like and you had that at the this fire point, and the energy and you had right and at this point i was like yo i don't even know if i'm ever going to use a degree if i get a degree so what's the point <laughs> so i was just going hard and i was like yo i'm gonna i'm gonna just hustle because at this time we're talking the late 90s you know you have people like jay-z you have people like russell simmons you have people like diddy you know what i'm saying i'm seeing all these young entrepreneurs plus we're in atlanta mm -hmm. and the, another benefit of of meeting somebody like precise is like you're going to different nightclubs you're going to so's you're going to uh, what is it at the time? Plush? Yeah, oh. Plush in Buckhead. Yeah. Yeah, Plush, 112, all these different clubs, Jaguars, you know. You go into all of these, you know, you go into Buckhead, you go into all these different places and you're meeting people. So I'm meeting owners of businesses who are a couple years old, older than me. I'm meeting cats who are designing sneakers who are getting paid from like Nike or something. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing about Atlanta and that's why a lot of people stay down there when they move down there because it's it might be a small town in a sense but like you get this sense of like yo i can make it here like there's nothing but hustlers here yeah and if so, you're black you know a lot of times you don't see that like there's nowhere else you know what i'm saying that's quite like atlanta in terms of the accessibility like i know back in the day when we came here you know like the thing was was that like in new york 
You have to know somebody for years. You got to be down. Like you're not getting any links, no information, nothing unless somebody could vouch you for you or yourself. you have that real long term um yeah link so down here it was like yo you could come and talk a good game and you on baby <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah i remember i remember meeting big mike yo you know what i'm saying he used to have a few businesses across the street from spellman you know what i'm saying and i remember meeting big mike and mike you know what i'm saying we go to uh i think it was club kaya this is the first time i saw somebody because you know mo and all this is before cristal but you know moet is the thing yo dude bought like 20 bottles of Moet. I was like, yo, yo, you take one. You know what I'm saying? This dude is giving me, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just a poor, like at this point, a, a poor kid who's in college who has no money and I'm seeing cash just buying like multiple, like tens of Moet, not even like a <laughs> bottle. You know what I'm saying? Like money. This is the first time I'm seeing Range Rovers up close. Yeah. I'm seeing, you know what I'm saying? Escalades. We got introduced. No, not Escalades yeah. back then, but um, Navigators came out. Denali's just came out, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. So, you know, we got introduced to Alex Gideon, who's like one of the biggest promoters in the country. You know what I'm saying? Then and now. You know, so we're, we're going through all this stuff. Due to the length of this conversation, we were forced to stop here for this episode and part two of this history of Highlander Sound, history of Khalil Wanda, history of Agard, history of Reggae Lover podcast. Yeah, great talk, you know what I mean? Due to the length, please stay tuned to Reggae Lover. We're going to bring it current and wrap up with part two of this great conversation between Agard and I. I hope you enjoyed NiceUpRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening, all the listeners of Highlander on any platform. Until next time, make sure you tune in for part two. Peace. For booking of Highlander Sound, 404-552-0492 or email reggaeloverpodcast at gmail.com. Visit Highlander Sound on the web at reggaelover.com. Follow at H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D-A on Twitter. Follow at K-A-H-L-I-L-W-O-N-D-A on Instagram. And like Facebook.com slash Highlander Music for more information. So let's take a break to talk about one of our great sponsors. i tell you what, I was listening to an audio book about Bob Marley on Audible entitled So Much Things to Say. Mm -hmm. It's an oral history written and performed by Roger Steffens. He spent time down in Jamaica interviewing everybody, including Marley and everybody that was around him. So I'm talking Rita Marley, Skill Cole, film crews that were down filming him, you know, all the members of the Whalers. He's having these conversations in these interviews that he also collected while he was doing the radio shows. He put all this information into a book. What's so great about it is it, it just immerses you into the experience, quoting Peter Bunny, the incidents that happened with Bob getting shot, the concert when he brings the two political leaders on stage. And so you really get the excitement, the energy of what is going on. That book right there, I strongly recommend it to any reggae lover, anybody that's into Bob Marley, and we have a special deal. Go to Audible and get a free book, free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover, and there you can grab a free copy of this book. And the reason why I like Audible is because I like to learn new things 
but sometimes I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to sit there and leaf through the pages because I got work to do. So I like to listen to books in the car. If I'm riding a bike, just taking a walk in the neighborhood. There's so many different ways that you can actually learn new information or be entertained. You know, me personally, I like nonfiction. I like biographical stuff. So Audible is a great tool to use in order to take in that information and still go along with your day. Audible, they have the best narrators. You know, you're able to keep where you're at in the book. It's a very convenient way to take in new information and be entertained. Visit audibletrial.com slash reggae lover. So much things to say. The title by Roger Steffens, Oral History of Bob Marley. 